Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember those? Old-fashioned barn raising where, especially the Mennonites, we'd get together and they'd all work together because we've discovered something. You can't do it all alone. You can't do the things that God has called us to do all on our own. And not every battle that we fight is going to be alike. As we're going through the book of Exodus, we're going to find that every situation we come upon is a little bit different. They take different forms and different intensities, and there's different tools that God would use to bring about the victory. Now, in the passages that we're going to look at today, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 17 to start with. We're going to see that there are two totally different battles that Moses had to fight, but they had a common thread through them. Moses tried to do it himself. He thought that he could do it all alone, that he was the only one who could determine determine victory or defeat. First, it was against Amalek, and secondly, we're going to look at extending himself too far and wearing himself and the people out. Pray with me. Dear Father, thank you for your word. Your word is incredible. Your word is living and powerful and active, and we ask today that your Holy Spirit would make the truth of your word real to each one of our hearts where we are today. Lord, that you would be glorified in our lives and through our lives, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, firstly, in the battle against Amalek, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 17, we're going to start at verse 8. I don't hear pages turning. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men who will go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand... Amalek prevailed, but Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. I love that story. It's, it's one of the, uh, the classic stories in Scripture that talks about working together. The word Amalek itself means warlike. And the history of Amalek is he was the grandson of Esau, and he was one of the chiefs of Edom. And they came and they attacked Israel at Rephidim. And this is the place where Moses struck the rock and God gave them water. It's a place where God met them and they tried to attack them. And isn't that the way it's going to be, folks? The enemy is going to try and attack us right where we meet with God. That's the thing to keep in mind. Now, Rephidim itself means rest. And isn't that what war does? It, It battles against our rest. Now, this is the first battle that Israel would fight. And this is a great picture. Because Joshua is told to select an army. So he goes and And he selects those that are going to fight. Remember, they hadn't done this before. They just come out of slavery. Moses is going to stand on the hill with the rod of God in his hands. 
And as long as he held up his arms towards heaven, Israel would be winning. But when his arms got tired and dropped, then Amalek would begin to win. So it was a dilemma. Moses could not continue to hold up his arms despite knowing the battle depended on it. Have you ever tried to hold your arms up for a long time? How many have ever tried to do that? And they say the older we get, the harder it is. Well, I heard about this exercise that we people over 60 are able to do. Okay? They said what you do is you take a five-pound bag of potatoes, a five-pound potato bag, okay? Five-pound potato bag, and you hold your arms straight out and try to hold it for a minute. And you do that for a week, okay? At the end of the week, you take a 10-pound potato bag and you hold it out for a minute. You know where this is going? And see if you can do that for a week. At the end of that week, you take a 20-pound potato bag and hold it out for a minute and see if you can hold it and do that for a week. The next week, you put a potato in each bag. (laughs) Yeah. See, Moses needed help. We all do. So Aaron and Hur placed a stone under him so he could sit down. Then one stood on one side of him and held up his arm. The other stood on the other side and held up his arm. But even in in this, Aaron and Hur could only do what they could do. They could not do the whole job on their own. They also needed each other. And it was very practical because Moses was sitting down and they were able to support his arms without losing their own strength and without themselves getting tired because their arms would be down as he was sitting and they would hold him up. Very practical. And most of the ways that we were able to help each other is very practical. We saw it earlier in that very quick video how all the different people were working together to raise the barn. And this would happen very quickly as you have a number of people there. Now, in this battle that we call life, do you have someone who can hold your arms up when they grow weary? See, that's what the church is meant to help do. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 to 5, here's what it says. It says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Now, a very quick reading of this does not give the full intent of what the words in the original Greek meant. For when it says, bear one another's burdens, that word is, is to be translated as a heavy boulder. The Greek word for tion, it's, it's a task or a service. It's like an invoice for freight. It's something that's over and above the normal activities. And how many know there are times when life is going to deal you a heavy boulder? There are times when you are going to get something that's too heavy for you to carry on your own. 
And we're not meant to carry it on our own. But then it says that we should bear our own load. And this is the word, word teros, which means your daily responsibility. It's like a knapsack that you carry on your back. And it's, when you walk through life, we have responsibilities that we carry on every day. There are things that we as adults are responsible to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 12, it says, when I was, chapter 13, it says, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I acted as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. We grow up. And part of that growing up is the daily responsibilities that we have. We have responsibilities for our home. We have responsibilities for our own health, our own bodies. We have responsibilities for our own spiritual well-being as well. And we are to bear those burdens individually. But when someone has a heavy boulder thrust upon them, we are to help each other carry that load. That's what Paul is instructing the Galatians in this. He says, all of you do what you're supposed to do, but when someone else has something very heavy, help them. Help them through it. Help them carry it. Unless we think we can do it all on our own, with no help, verse 3 said, he's deceiving himself. We absolutely cannot do it all alone. Now hear this. One of the tactics of the enemy is to try and separate you from the body of Christ. And make you think that you have to fight every battle alone with no help. And many today will say, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, that's fine and dandy until something happens when you need the support of one another. Over the years, when I was a senior pastor, there would be times when people would say, why didn't you come and visit me when I was sick? And I said, why didn't you tell me you were sick? I was in the hospital. I said, who did you let know? And we called it hide or seek. You see, we need to be connected to the body so that when these times come, we can help each other. There's going to be times when we will all need someone to hold us up. We all need an Aaron. We need a her. We need someone who, who we, we be there for us. And Moses depended on God and knew the battle could only be won with God's help, but he still needed those to hold him up when he became weak. We're going to go to the second battle that Moses had to fight. This was a different type of battle. It was over extending himself too far. Now again, one of the tactics of the enemy is if he can't get you to stop, he'll try to get you going so fast that you can't keep up. Hmm. Now you're either going to say amen or ouch. How many have experienced that? Let's go over to chapter 18. I'm just going to skip through different verses. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, was coming to see him with his wife and his children. And they get together. And they asked each other about their well-being. 
Go to verse 13. So it's the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. And his father-in-law saw that he did to the people. He says, what is this that you're doing with the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand before you from morning until evening. Down to verse 17, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and the people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. Verse 19, son, listen to me. He says, now listen to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. We're going to flesh this out a little bit. See, in the first struggle, Aaron and Hur saw that he needed some help. And then the second one, his father-in-law Jethro saw that Moses needed help. When Moses had left for Egypt, he had sent his wife and his sons back to her father while he was away doing the Lord's work. Now they were making the journey back to him. And, and Jethro, when they, when they met Moses, they bowed down, they kissed each other. And they asked, hey, how's it going? How's it doing? Now, isn't that what we say when we see people that we haven't seen for a while? Say, hey, how are you? As I was greeting people this morning as they were coming in, everyone says, how are you? And uh, you can either say, hey, I'm doing really good, so good to see you. Or you can say, well, let me tell you. Then Moses brings them into his tent and begins to tell the story of what God had been doing for them, about the miracles, the victories, the provisions. He told him the whole story about coming out from Egypt, the plagues and the crossing the Red Sea and, and the, the victory they just won. And when Jethro hears it all, and what's he do? It caused him to worship. I like that. And I surely hope when, when you see God doing something that it causes worship to come up in your heart. I love what Hetty said, and I understand what she says, that when you see these kids responding, that, that just warms the cockles of your heart. We don't use those words too much anymore. It just means that we just fill up, and, and we have that feeling of, of joy within us. So do you worship when you hear of all that God is doing? Does his goodness cause gratitude to well up in your heart? Well, the next day, Jethro sits and watches his son-in-law. <laughs> That's what father-in-laws do. They watch their sons-in-law. And he sees Moses sit all day and hear all the disputes and the problems that all the people had, all two million of them. He was solving problems all day long, all by himself. And why? because he thought he was the only one who could hear from God. Verse 16 says, When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So here, father-in-law Jethro, a pretty wise man, he says, Moses says, Son, you're not doing this right. How many of you have ever been told you weren't doing something right? How'd you respond to it? <laughs> he says, you're not doing this right. You're going to tire yourself and the people out. Now listen to me, and I'll tell you what you should do, and God will bless you. So, 
He says, let's divide this up a bit. He says, number one, you do your part. You stand before God and you teach the people the statutes and the law. You give them direction. You know, that's vitally important. And the most important thing that you can do. But then secondly, you appoint others to do the rest. You do your part, but you let others do their part. Verses 21 and 22. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they shall judge, they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. Don't you love those words? They will bear the burden with you. It's called delegation. Letting others do what you do not need to do, and here again, bearing one another's burdens. He says, you concentrate on the most important stuff, and there are others who are capable to do the rest. And we read through the book of Acts. They had the same problem. The apostles' time was being taken up with the daily distribution of food, while they should have been giving themselves to to prayer and the word of God. Acts chapter 6. Here's what they did. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? The same situation thousands of years later. And folks, we translate that 2,000 years from then to where we are now. We have the same situation today. Too often we get bogged down in the immediate and we neglect the most important. And just because we can do something doesn't mean that we should. There could be others who could do some of what we think Only we could do. And it's not always a case of good or bad. It might be of good and better, or it might be just different. A couple weeks ago, we, as a staff and board, were able to to have some teaching on the different personality types and how they work together. And it came out that a different personality type is not wrong, It's different. Wouldn't it be boring if we were all the same? What would you do if everyone was just like you? Now, don't smile at that. How many of you would like to eat the same thing every day? Breakfast, dinner, supper? Mmm, manna. See, being different doesn't mean it's wrong. Over the years in counseling, there have been times when husbands and wives saw their differences as combative points where they would fight with each other. 
rather than seeing them as differences that can augment their relationship as they see things from different perspectives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul was teaching this type of concept to the people. He says, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But no, but much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We bear one another's burdens. We help each other. Well, this was a a lesson that Moses needed to learn. He had his role to play, but so did all the others. He didn't need to do everything by himself. Others could help. And as we look at this body, Scott Street MB, as we're sitting here today, there is a role for each one of us to play. There's a role for the admin team. There's a role for the staff. There's a role for the board. But we can't do it all, nor should we try. For the strength of the body is when each member of the body contributes, and that's you and me as part of the body. What is Scott Street MB Church? It's all of us together. It's not a building. It's the people. Every one of you contributing to the whole. And some would say, well, I can't do what I used to do. My response, then don't. Do what you are able to do now and leave the rest to others who are able to do it. Saying in Family Life Hour this morning. But I can't do the things that I used to be able to do 20 years ago. I just don't have the strength. I I can't do the things I did 10 years ago. But I can do things differently now. And others that are younger can do what I used to do the way I used to do it. But we all have a place We all have a role. And some of the roles that we don't see are some of the most important. This church would not exist were it not for the faithful prayer warriors who shut themselves in their room and begin to pray for the church and the leadership and the members and the people. Begin to pray for the ministries that are here. This church goes forward on its knees as people pray. Now, when we leave the job to others, we need to realize that they might do it differently than we did. Hmm. But that doesn't mean it's wrong. My dad did things differently than his dad did. 
I do things differently than my dad did. My kids do things differently than I do. My grandkids, by the way, we got a new granddaughter last Sunday. We have a new little grandbaby, five pounds, four ounces. Her name is Estelle. And she just came home yesterday, so Oma and I are looking forward to seeing her. Yeah. I appreciate your applause. I didn't have much to do with this one. But people will do things differently and say, we never did it that way before. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It's different. The way I do my groceries is different than I used to do years ago. It changes. But aren't you glad that the one thing that doesn't change is the Word of God? And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see it every Sunday we come in here. Israel was just beginning this long journey, and there were things that had to be set in place right at the beginning, just as it was in the birth of the New Testament church. As Tim comes back with his team, let's prepare for communion this morning. I want to leave you with this. Not one of us can do it all. We need your help, and we need your support. Everyone in leadership needs an Aaron and a Hur to hold them up in prayer and support, realizing that the battle is the Lord's. And every one of us has a role that we may use to contribute to what God is doing here in this body of Christ.